The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Hello guys and welcome to another episode of The Stardom Cast, your weekly or sort of audio source of all things world-wondering stardom right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I'm your host Rob Goodwin and I'm joined as ever by Chris O'Brien. Chris O'Brien, how are you on this fine, fine Sunday? You know, like, sometimes you're like talking to some, you're talking to someone, you're trying, you're getting kind of sweet with them and then they'll go... Oh, so what are you thinking about? And you're meant to say you, right? They're trying to like manufacture a cute moment because I don't know why. They're just trying to manufacture a cute moment. And you're meant to say, oh, I'm thinking of you and it's meant to be a cute moment. But like chances are I'm not. Like chances are I'm talking to someone. I'm thinking of a million other fucking things. Like um, at the time I was thinking about how we come to know how foods taste nice. Like elderflower. Elderflower is nice. I love elderflower. But at some point... We found out it tastes nice because some dude ate a flower. And that's just weird, isn't it? So, like, I was thinking about that, but, like, you can't say that because then they'll know that you're a weirdo. So, essentially, I had to choose between revealing that I'm a weirdo or lying. And you chose... I'm going to leave that ambiguous. (laughs) I love the fact that you jumped to elderflower. But don't think about milk, where effectively we've squeezed something out oh, of an I, animal's tit no, and then gone. No, 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 I, I, I didn't get started on milk because for the longest time it was fucking poison to us. We it only became safe for some of us to drink after pasteurization. So for centuries, we were drinking this thing that would kill us because we thought it tasted nice. It's, and even now, it's still poisonous to some people. We're still lactose intolerant people, even after we've taken all the fucking germs out of it. It's ridiculous. Oh my god, this is why I drink oat milk instead of milk. All right, green I, party. I... You the fuck put fifty p in you this morning? 
No, this isn't an environmental thing. This is if I think about milk, I want to puke thing. I'm just going to take a sip out of my cup of tea right now. I'm drinking iron brew. You're, of course you are. Live the stereotype, Chris. Live the stereotype. I'm drinking iron brew extra. I'll have you now. What is the difference between iron brew and iron brew extra? Iron brew extra is the sugar-free one. Well, actually, but no, how is because that extra diet iron brew. How is that extra if it's got less of something? Um, extra taste, no sugar. Nobody drinks iron brew for the fucking taste. Fuck you. What do you drink it for? <laughs> what do you drink it? Like, it's not alcohol. It's not like, no, not many people drink beer for the taste. They just want to get drunk. What's going to happen if you drink iron brew? So basically, guys, what we've established from the opening minute and a half of this podcast is that I'm finding it really, really easy to wind Chris up. <sighs> Gav told me to chill this morning. That hasn't sat well with me. <laughs> That's because you need to calm the fuck down. To be fair, I did send you the working title for my next video. Yeah, I can't wait for that to be uh, distributed around the world. Um, um, yeah, so bad, bad, bad times. But but there's a Saddam show. It was good. Um, I, I love the name of one of DDT's last shows. Do you want to hear it? Uh, I think I know this one. Is this um, the one? Is this... DDT peanuts are a great source That's of protein. That's right. Rob, why don't you watch this? Because it's stupid. It, hang on. No, go on, def- want- defend that, Chris. Go on, defend that what, show name. name. Show. Like, if, but if you think about most bad names, from names make no sense. I don't think the name of a show should really turn you off. Well, Great Balls of Fire, I suppose. Yeah, and you still sometimes watch WWE, but you are, also you've used to watch DDT, the best wrestling promotion in the world right now because of weird show names. And the books, but, you know, I think the books think... Is actually quite funny. I'm not going to rise. Uh, I'm not going to rise. Teddy Bear recently won that title for a bit. I don't think that shows up in the universe yet, so I can't comment on like um, how critically good it is. But you know what? It does sound like something that'd be right up my alley. So start him at a show, Chris. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, Stardom's pay-per-view, Yokohama Dream Cinderella 2021 in spring is now in the books. It took place on the 4th of April from Yokohama Budokan. Uh, We were lucky enough to be able to watch it live through Samurai TV, and I know that obviously it was on pay-per-view as well. Thank you to everyone in the Discord who came on and had a chat with us whilst we were watching the show. It was a really, really good time, apart from my streaming, which was absolutely abhorrent during two of the matches, but we'll get into that in a moment. Um, Chris, before we jump into this show, all the fallout and the connotations and things like that, overall, uh, what did you think of the show? It was a good match, but it wasn't a bad match on the card. Like, nothing here was bad. There was some meh, there was some mid, but bad, I wouldn't go that far. It was a nice few hours. Actually, it was more than a couple hours, wasn't it? Like, it started at 9 ended at like half 12. So it was a good two, three and a half hour show. To be fair, part of that was a pre-show panel, which I was not at all prepared for. <laughs> um, it's so it's so weird when someone's like, when you watch the pre-show panel in Japan, because they're kind of just speaking at you and you're like, ha, ah, yes. Yes, indeed. Totally. Indeed. Oh, you said the name. I know the name. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, Um I should really learn Japanese, but also that's effort. And I don't put effort into things. Do I look like someone who puts effort into things? 
I enjoyed it overall. Um, I have thoughts, but you know, I'll get into those thoughts as we go through them. Um, overall, I am happy I watched this over Sakura Genesis. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get into some of the results from Sakura Genesis as we get through this show. Um, yeah, overall, I can't fault it. We, we, I think we both came into this show not. We didn't think it was the most overwhelming card. Um, there was some, there were some things that were a little bit off. Um, we were a little concerned that you know, are you Tommy and B going to put on a good match? Um, should the tag titles be on top? Does that mean that something is going on? Um, all of those questions obviously got answered during this show, and I think that the matches far belayed the card. I think the matches were really, really, really good. Um, I think that the white belt and red belt matches are legitimate match of the year contenders. I think they were both superb. Um, I think the tag match that was on top was it was a victim of its place on the card, which we'll talk about in a minute in a little bit more detail. Um, I think the elimination match was great for what it was. It just unfortunately sort of defaulted to the most the most obvious of uh, fallout. But again, we'll talk about that in a moment. And yet. We had two people who absolutely had their best stardom singles matches. So ultimately, this card did its job without a shadow of a doubt. So yeah, really, really impressed with this card. Shall we kick straight into it, Chris? Yeah, well, we don't really have a choice, do I? I can't exactly walk off. <laughs> um, let's kick in then with the pre-show match. I just want to point out that Yuzuki Aikawa was on commentary, so it was nice to see her again. Um, this was streamed on YouTube, and it was the three-way between Hina, Lady C, and Azumi, with Hina coming away with the win, rather surprisingly, in seven minutes and six seconds with the Gato Clutch. Um, you know how on, like, WWE, someone would go away, get jacked, come back and get a push? Do you reckon that's what they're doing with Hina? Yeah, Hina went away, had a growth spurt, came back. She's going to be world stardom champion by the end of the year. <laughs> they're going to push her like Okada. Just bring her back straight away in a program with Utami. Straight away. Yeah. No, but nah, but like she doesn't look as awkward as despite being like fifteen. How old is she? She is fifteen, right? She's fifteen, oh, yeah. No, she's fourteen. And that's like the most awkward age fourteen, isn't it? I don't know. Can I don't think, think I've found it? any age that's not awkward for me. Oh no, I fucking hate every age. I hate every second of my existence. But fourteen was particularly awkward. Was this when you had the really, really, really short hair? <sighs> I've had about in a few there's been a few iterations of short hair, Chris, and none of them, <laughs> and like it's but none of them are not weird. Hey, can you attest that pictures of me with short hair are just weird? Those people that have seen your social media pictures um, can attest that you have a lot of hair, both on your chin and on your head. Um, when that hair is gone, your head looks minuscule, like you like a teaspoon. Damn, dude. That was not- <laughs> Oh, it's not what I was expecting. I was just expecting, yeah, I'm just used to you having a lot of hair. Not your head looks like a fucking teaspoon. You got a pinhead. Don't look pinhead. Fuck you. <laughs> um, I think we both expected Azumi to walk away with this match. Um, I'll be brute. I'll be perfectly honest. This was one of the matches where my streaming was absolutely appalling. Um, so I only caught probably about half this match between buffering. Um, but 
again, this match did what he needed to do. I think a lot of people seem to think now that Hina is next in line for a future of Stardom Championship shot against Sayurida. I'm perfectly fine with that, Chris. Yeah, but it's an inoffensive little opener. Didn't hate it. Didn't love it. Some stupid, like that weird roll-up spot. Like, when the ref is doing a double count, who would have got the pin there? This was the issue I had in the three-way a couple of episodes ago. <laughs> when, or it was the last episode with Natsupoi, and they were doing these triple roll-ups. It was, it was Lady C again. It was Lady C, Go King, Death, and Natsupoi. And they were doing a triple roll-up, which, don't get me wrong, it was very well choreographed and everything. But I was like, who gets the actual pinfall here? It's like, everybody wins. You get a sticker. You get a sticker. <laughs> you get a victory over Lady C. You get a victory over Lady C. We all get a victory over Lady C. Um, speaking of Lady C, brand new gear for this show. I thought, again, <laughs> she did. Brand new. I think everything's the same, but for top's black now. Yeah, it was. it's pretty much inverted colours. That's pretty much the only difference. But it was new gear. It was new gear nonetheless, Chris. Um, I thought, genuinely, this match was fine. Did what it needed to do. There were some interesting spots. There's always going to be some interesting spots when you've got someone like Azumi in there. Um, but yeah, I gave it three and a half. Oh, three and a half. No, I didn't. I gave it two and a half. Um, <laughs> That's what I gave Mike versus <laughs> <laughs> Um I Yeah, I gave it two and a half. It's nothing bad, nothing incredibly good. So we opened the main card with a special singles match, Momo Watanabe defeating Mina Shirakawa in 10 minutes and 54 seconds with the Tequila Sunrise. Um, Chris, what yeah. did you think of this? This was surprisingly good. It really, really was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was expecting this to be like, yeah, three stars, it was fine. Like, basically, I was expecting what to happen, what happened last time VC had a singles match. And no, it was actually just very good. Like for once, Mina's strikes hit. Like those elbows she was throwing actually connected. Like I actually felt like she was trying to hurt Momo here. Um, Romo is kind of just a miracle worker. Like you kind of just need to go back and look at some of the white belt run to see that. Like she, in terms of like sheer match quality, she is kind of the Ishii of um, stardom, and it's just great. Like it's just. How hard is it to make Mina Shirakawa look good? like she looks good in tag settings, but like she's basically good when she has to like get in, do her twenty seconds, and get out. Hmm. But like she can't do that here because she has to fill eleven minutes of a match. And yeah, it was just very good, very solid. I say solid. I loved it. It's on my match of the year, Fred. Wow, because it was just incredibly good and solid and. Like, no real holes in it. Like, there wasn't any botches. If it was a back fist, it didn't, it wasn't offensive enough for me to mention in my notes. Um, she, again, she stopped slapping the leg, which is such an improvement. It's amazing how much of an improvement that makes. Because I don't know if you've ever been punched in the face, Rob. It doesn't make that noise. <laughs> We're talking about the spinning back fist, are we? <laughs> well, just any strike that Mina does, because she doesn't slap. So, like, like at least at least with a kick, it that's just what the kick sounds like in wrestling now. Right? But like a punch doesn't sound like a slap. A punch is more bassy. And you can't have a bassy leg slap. <laughs> no. No, you I, are I, right I, there, mate, you can't. I, I talked myself into a corner there and I didn't know how to get myself out of it. But you did quite well, mate. Um but yeah, like Mina's actually turning into someone who can throw offense, which is an improvement from where she was when she came in. Hmm. Uh, so, 
if she starts getting more of these singles reps, she'll get better and better. I know people like her in TJPW, but I've seen what TJPW fans like. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, just I really liked it. Um, Momo, in terms of like sheer quality, is one of the best in style. It's always going to be good. Agreed. Um, one hundred percent. Mina's best uh, singles match in stardom without it, it by a distance. I think since she's come back from the broken nose, she's there's noticeable improvement there. Her offense is crisper and quicker. Her selling is really, really improving, which I'm you know, it was good anyway, but there is that there is that noticeable improvement. I like, and this is something we didn't uh, mention on the road to show and the preview about how basically Momo um, has basically been alluding that Cosmic Angels are Tam Nakano and others. Um, and this was brought to our attention by um, the Discord. I think it was Armani Shoe Exchange on um, on the Discord. And I thought this played into that match, especially the opening moments where Momo pretty much brutalised Mina with some really, really solid fucking kicks. Um, but something that I did notice and I wanted to praise Mina for, my praise for Momo goes without saying, the woman is fantastic. Um, as you said, Chris, that's a really good parallel between her and she. It, it just seems to be impossible for her to have a bad match. Um, but what I do want to say is that Mina um, adapted her offense, which was brilliant. It was it was so much better than just going through those stock five moves. She actually went to targeting Momo's leg with the drop kicks. There was a beautiful moment where Momo's on the second rope and Mina hits her with a drop kick to knock her off and then hits a DDT off the second rope. I thought that was smooth as fuck. It was great. It's um, so hard those kind of corner moves not look completely contrived. Like look at any time like a bit of real Prince David or Loki did the Warriors way in the corner. Never like it can look good. It never ever ever looked natural. No, no, absolutely. Ever. Because you are naturally holding yourself there. But this yeah. and it, I think it happened so fast that you I could believe it was before he fell off. Yeah, and actually I think I put in the Discord, it's so hard to make that feel organic. And it really, really did. And that's proper testament to both women. I think I honestly think Mina's improvement has been unbelievable. And if she continues this and this is gonna be the way that she sort of asserts herself in stardom as more of a bruiser type, then I'm all for that. I'm really for that. She had a proper game plan. She went for the leg. And both women came out of this looking good. I mean, I heard people say that they preferred this Momo match to her match with Nene Takahashi. Um, I think they were different. I'm not going to say that either way because I liked both matches. I did enjoy the fact that despite Momo's complete dismissive nature of Mina to start off with, towards the end of the match, it was a case of, right, I need to end this now because otherwise she's going to build up a head of steam and she hits the B-driver rather than just, you know, either going for the pinfall after that or being dismissive or, you know, generally taking the time. She gets her straight up, hits the Tequila Sunrise and pins her. And and this is going to sound really odd to say, but that's a good rub for Mina. You know, she's gone from basically being someone who is almost a complete afterthought at the in the opening exchange of the match to someone that Momo feels necessary to put away quickly at the end. By the way, what the fuck was that B-driver? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, I was so fucking worried that Mina Shirakawa had just broken her neck. What the fuck was that B-driver? I just... Was it the I, angle? I, I don't know. I, I forgot to tuck her neck. 
I do think it was. I do think it was more Mina's fault than Momo's. Yeah, well, it's 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 a weird thing with Momo where she has some muscle memory to do the B driver like really safely, but she's also very short. I think as well. Ordinarily, she gets them, and she's. I know it's gets off really odd. But because obviously she's got them behind her, she sort of swings them so their head goes between her legs. If you're not tucking your head, she's going to fucking make you tuck your head. Exactly. So she swings it. So it is quite, you know, it's not a safe move. Fucking hell, she's dropping you on the back of your head. But it's it's a relatively safe move. I I don't know whether she didn't swing enough or whether Mina sort of thought... I'm not going to chop my neck. Or what yeah. happened? But... Maybe Mina just watched like a Koala match before that, <laughs> and it looks really cool. Um, but yeah, this was this was a really really good match. Um, I enjoyed Mina here. Um, I think, like I said before, if she's going to be in that bruiser category, you know, that throwing bombs and things like that, no nonsense. Then I am more than here for that. I gave this three and three quarters. I, I really, really, I, really enjoyed this. I also gave it three and three quarters. I'm not going to say it. I was going to say it, but I'm not going to this time. I'm not going to say it. Let's... Why are you people shipping us? No, no. Do you know what? Oh, babe. There we go. I said it. <laughs> um, Force now. <laughs> I'll put it. I'll make it more organic later on. Um, we move on to match two then, and again, very similar to the last match, this is a singles match including a member of Cosmic Angels with Sayaka Matani defeating Yunagi Sayaka at 13 minutes and 42 seconds with the Star Crusher. Um, Chris, opinion? This wasn't as good as the last match, but it was more impressive because Unagi's been working with less and Saya isn't a miracle worker. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they actually worked well together was good. Unagi actually getting an offense where it felt like she was trying to hurt Saya. That's a new thing. That's a new thing. It just is. She had a whole seven-match series where the whole thing was, ooh, I'm going to get beat up, throw some okay strikes, and then ultimately die. But here, it's like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna um, beat people up, throw some average-looking strikes, and then die. So <laughs> it's definitely an improvement. Um... It's nothing that's going to blow you away, like, but like offensively, that's the best Unagi has ever looked. Defensively, Definitely. not so much. Like, it's not her best match. I think the Julia tag match is still her best match. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in terms of actually, in terms of singles, Julia is definitely the best. In terms of tag, she's been doing really well, but she's on a team with Tam against people like Mayu and Momo. So, like, that, that was always going to, it's easy to look good in that context. And this was sink or swim because Saya can't carry people yet. So she didn't drown, which is more than what I was expecting. <laughs> well, that was my... There was a couple of concerns I had about this match going in, um, more so than the Mina and Momo match. Um, the first, I think both of which really have addressed, the first bit was, you know, we've seen the same Unagi, effectively the same Unagi singles match for, I'd, I'd argue, five of a seven-match series. Um, oh, had the same concept. Like, even if they cha- changed it up, it was the same. Like, if you were to draw it as a bar graph, it would all be the same. Yeah, I'd say aside from the Julia and the Mayu matches, where there was storyline involvement in those matches, all the others were the same. She got beaten down, she did a five moves of Doom, and then that was it. Um, 
But here I felt like, again, similar to uh, Mina, she'd adapted her offense. She did the guillotine leg drop through the ropes, which is great. She was physically targeting Sayakamatani's legs. She hit, I'm entering war god mode now! For a really, really good two counts. Um, she amended that gory bomb, which I can never remember the name of because it's about 17 words. And she hits that into like a, almost a Yokozuka cutter. It was really weird. It didn't look quite right, but... You know, there's adaptation there. I'm trying. I'm willing to I'm willing to let her off because she you know, she is trying. Um Saya did really well here. I wasn't sure, you know, just because she's had a red belt match, it's important to note that she has only been wrestling for just over a year. And I was intrigued. She puts on fantastic matches when she's with someone above her station, but we don't often see Saya being put into a a place like, where she's got to go 30 minutes with someone below her. To be fair, she's managed, like, I'm not saying Himmick is below her, I'd say Himmick is, like, just a slightly below Saya, but they managed to put on their best match together in the five star. So. I agree, I agree, but I would say Yunagi is far below Himmick. Mm-hmm. So oh, that that's uh, more what that, I mean. In terms of, like, in-ring ability, like, this is a weirdly controversial opinion, but Yunagi's, like, just above the kids. Like, she's not there yet. No, agreed. Agreed. And she's another one who's only been going about a year, so like that makes sense. I think as well it, it's noticeable that Mina is improving quicker than Yunagi. But, again, Yunagi has not been going that long, and she is improving. This match is a notable improvement, and actually I'm going to disagree with you. I think this is Yunagi's best singles match. Um... The Julia match, it's a match on its own. And the reason I say that is because that was so stupendously carried by Julia. Mm. I mean, was it a match? It was more, It was basically an angle, wasn't it, really? Just Julia beating the piss out of Unagi whilst Tam watches. This was an actual match where she was... She needed to play her attacking part, her offensive part, as well as her defensive part. Whereas in the Julian match, it was very much her on on, on defence and basically trying not to die. Um, but here she had to amend certain things, which is great, which she did very well. There are still holes? Of course there are. But I think she did very well. I think Sayakamatani did very, very well in carrying her. Um, this match was far better than I thought it was going to be. We saw a little bit of Yunagi fire, which we've wanted for so long. She literally marched. And she tried all the time. <laughs> she, but it, it's always on defense. It's always that, you know, that baby face, I'm not going to surrender. But here, she marched to the ring and she attacked Saya before the bell. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was Velkish in our Discord going, um, oh, why isn't she wearing the cape? Oh, that's why she's not wearing the cape. <laughs> Um, Sai Kamatani played a part fantastically. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep beating that horse. But what I did like is the fact that <clears throat> we talked about um, in the lead up to the All Star Show at Budokan about Sai Kamatani adding all of these moves to her move set. You know, basically trying to 
create an arsenal that would ultimately put Utami away. Obviously, it didn't work. But what we didn't want then on the back of that was her to use, and you've said this with um, Starlight Kid and a DDT on the apron, Azumi and her Hurricane Rana through the ropes, and the Violet Screwdriver from um, Tam Tam. You don't want to see these killer moves every single fucking match. And to be fair... Saya didn't. She did a springboard plancher, which she does pretty much every mo- every uh, match anyway. Um, and she hit the Star Crusher, but that is ultimately her finish. Mm-hmm. We didn't see the springboard Hurricane Rana. We didn't see the Tope. We didn't see the Phoenix Splash. So that's something that I noted destroyer. as well. Say again, sorry? She would destroy it. We didn't see the Destroyer. She broke out a fucking Destroyer. I still can't believe she broke out a Destroyer. Um, destroyer in wrestling made you fucking pop. They never make you pop anymore. I know, but honestly, oh, yeah. So, ultimately, far better than I thought it was going to be. Far better than I gave it credit for. I gave it three and a half, Chris. I gave it three and a quarter. It was good. It's definitely like Kunagi's best performance, but not her best match. We then go on to the... Right, let me get the actual name of this right. It was the Elimination 10-woman tag team match where the last person eliminated from the losing team joins the opposition unit. That is a mouthful. Um, With the Uedatai team of Konami, Natsukatora, Rina, Ruaka, and Saki Kashima defeating the Stars team of Goki and Death, Hanan, Meiwiwitani, Saeeda, and Starlight Kid, with Goki and Death being the last one eliminated and forced to join Uedatai. Um... We called this, Chris, I think. I think we wanted it to be Starlight Kid. You'd done a fantastic job of persuading me that it was going to be Starlight Kid. But I think deep down, we knew it was going to be Go King Death. Okay, I have pl- plenty of things to say about this match. First of all, there was a bunch of good sequences. Like Agreed. Everything, basically everything involving Mayu, Konami, and Starlight was great. Saki Kishima as the... Weirdly, as the underdog. Yeah, exactly. As the underdog, I was going to say. Why yeah, is uh, this? But, it, but that works really well. Um, Saki is probably the MVP of this match. Um, Hanan, um, Rina, and Raka made good accounts of themselves. They're, get, they're getting better at a good rate for their age. Um, Sayurida as the fiery underdog also works. First eliminated, that was a bit weird, but you know, what can you do? Well, you can do many things, but we can't do anything about it. Um, what I will say, a lot, think how a lot of the dramatic tension around this ended up revolving around death, that sucked so much out of this fucking match. The problem for me with that, Chris, is, and I completely agree with you, we just had the really emotional elimination. I think it was the joint elimination of Starlight and Tora. Mm-hmm. And Konami was in the ring, and then literally the next sequence was Konami having to sell those stupid death punches that she does with her fingers. Yeah. And I agree, it it was it does sort of suck the emotion out of the match. And but also go back to the start, they jump around a tire, which is not something stars do. That's not what stars do. And it's meant to convey the desperation that stars are feeling they don't want to lose a member. Because they've because we've already had a few defections. We don't want any more. That makes sense. But when you have some someone shouting death while that's happening, it takes away all dramatic tension. And it's just... I understand 
that Daffy Amasan outside the gimmick is a very is a loved wrestler. I get Kiori Yonma blah, Yoniyama is a well respected Joshi wrestler. That doesn't make the that doesn't make the gimmick good. You know, John Tenter is a is a well respected wrestler, well respected sumo, but as part of that of the fucking oddities, it didn't really work, did it? My God, I cannot believe we've got a reference to the oddities in here. Harry Gordy is one of the best big men ever to do this. Not when he's the executioner. Oh God, the executioner, Jesus Christ! The gimmick doesn't. uh, The gimmick is old. It's been old for a long time now, Mm. and and it got weirder when she started dressing up like Mister Tumble. And like, it's fine in openers. Even in the five star, it's fine in that opening spot. Get it gets the crowd into it, whatever. That's why she's there. But when you're building dramatic tension around it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. And it, that's my main problem with Max. There's a lot to like here. If someone, if this was on some in someone's notebook or on their match of the year thread, I probably wouldn't blame them. There's a lot to like, mm. but that just sucks all of it out. And. Yeah, because especially at the end, that image should be like horrifying. We have lost this, our friend. But instead, she, it looks like a fucking Pokemon fan drawing. It it looked comical. Everything that's come out after this match has looked comical, and it shouldn't be comical. This isn't a funny story. I think because they're going to abuse death. That's going to be the storyline. The storyline is that I'm going to be abusing death. Yeah. No, I that's, agree. That's not comical, but it's, it's going to be played for laughs. Well. If it was Yoniyama in that position, you know, the whole... Everything else was perfect. You got the tears, you got them literally dragging her away from stars to be part of a weed attack. And that was great, but it was completely belayed by the fact that she was wearing clown makeup, which... And and continued to say death. Exactly, exactly. So I am completely with you on that. If we take that out out of the picture for a moment... I mean, surely the most terrifying moment of this match is someone gave Mayu a cannon. Who gives Mayu a cannon? She struggles with sweatbands. Why would you give the woman a cannon? I was about to say, she almost killed someone with a sweatband one time. You can't. Exactly. Like, we gave Konami a cannon, but, like, if there's one word we can use for Konami, <laughs> it's proficient. Ghostbuster it's... Konami. Yeah, it's like, who are you going to call? Um, Konami! It was who's it? was Tora corpsing as she's going past because Konami's going nuts with this smoke cannon. Yeah, it's like... It was amazing. Tora's trying to look really, really, like, imposing and is pissing herself. Was it, was it a T-shirt cannon, May you had? May you had a T-shirt cannon, yeah. Azumi had had it earlier on in the show, on the pre-show. Um, it's... Uh, is merch not selling well? Like, do they have some merch they need to shift? But I wouldn't trust Mayu not to hit someone in the face with that. If you're gonna have, have, if you have merch to shift, just do what TNA did and make a brown bag. <laughs> the brown bag. Don Weston is brown you know, bag. You know, incredible. I know someone who bought one of the brown bag bundles because he was like, because he collects um, well, we used to collect wrestling DVDs. This was like just before the network, just before the... Quite frankly, I was too young to be talking to him at the time, but I still did because I I didn't understand. Anyway, so he got one of these brown bags. You'd expect everything to come in in a brown bag, wouldn't you? Yep. Nope. Just everything came in a box, and then at the bottom of the box was a brown bag. 
Oh, TNA. Like, it's such a weird... Just put everything into a brown bag and then put it in a box. It's so frustrating. I don't understand why... Like, did we just do that because we had to think of something to call the promotion? Like, what happened? Anyway, so yeah, just put it in a brown bag. Don't put it in a t-shirt cannon and give it to one of the densest people in wrestling. Um, But yeah, otherwise, I thought the match was really good. Again, taking death out of this for a moment. It was it was very much centered around Mayu, especially once we got rid of the children and Tora had eliminated herself and Starlight Kid. Um, you can sort of tell the story there that Starlight Kid sacrificed herself to get rid of Tora to give um, Mayu and Gokin Death the the but advantage. Didn't, didn't really sacrifice herself because now she doesn't have to go to a red attack. Well, that is it true. Was, like I think the best better way to do this would have been the first eliminated goes to the other faction. Nah, because you still because you still have the same tension, but then you don't have any of this, or like a random person, like it's drawn out of a hat or something. No, you lose the drama. You lose the drama if you do something. You lose the drama because you don't want to lose your fucking unit members by a raffle. (laughs) Jesus, Um, I did appreciate the fact that we had. Basically, this match was stars for the winning. And the fact that Mayu, A, took too long, B, was doing the waving, and basically being that overconfident dickhead. And we've seen it time and time again. Mayu, tremendous wrestler. For my mind, best woman's wrestler in the world. Fight me. Um, But she's so complacent at times when she's on top. And it's a story beat that we've seen in so many matches. And it happened again here because ultimately she hits the tombstone on Saki and Tora pulls a referee out, which, by the way, is a fucking DQ. What is that bullshit? It's not no DQ. Yeah, but did anyone get DQ'd? No, so we can I think we can safely assume it's referee's discretion. I don't like it more than you do, but this is the rules that they have created. But I did appreciate that ultimately Mayu got eliminated because of her own... Con- complacency and ultimately that led to death going because it's it was Mayu's fault and this storyline that they're sort of telling very subtly of people keep leaving Mayu why do they keep leaving Mayu and secondly it being Mayu's fault it's a really really interesting story that they're going for that they're beginning to play with which I really, really, really like. I mean, ultimately, you would assume that stars are going to win back the momentum because that's sort of how feuds work. Um, ordinarily, the face team win. Um, but unless you're Triple H, unless you're Triple H, the game. Um, but yeah, it. I'm looking forward to seeing now how this storyline progresses because ultimately. Of all the matches that we've had between Awida Tai and Stars and the lead up to this match, Awida Tai have come out on top bar one match, which was the mm. last Korokan show. The last Korokan show. So it'll be really, really interesting to see where we go from here. I will just say, just a little note, because we haven't spoken about it, I thought Hannon looked fantastic again. Oh, yeah. Like another one who's had a growth spurt. I don't know how to take the growth spurts. <laughs> they, they do look really tall. Um... What did you give this, Chris? I know that you have an issue with the whole death thing, but I feel like that's the gimmick problem, not the match problem. When you dump up that gimmick into a match, that's still a factor in the match. That's not something I'm going to fucking ignore. 
and it, it's three stars. It's a it's a good match, hmm. but all the dramatic tension is completely ripped out of it. Like imagine if in Empire Strikes Back, it's like no, I am your father, and then he rips a massive fat. That's going to take away from the dramatic tension, isn't it? What? Are you comparing Darth Vader guffing to the end of this match? Both the end and also the bleed up. What drugs have you taken before this podcast? Caffeine. Uh, makes sense. Um, <laughs> I gave it three and a quarter. We're, we're along. It, it's not a notebook match for me. They did this match very well. I do agree with you, Chris. <sighs> It does sort of suck it out, especially as you know it was, it was the safest option was to send Goki and Death to Oida Tai. Actually, we, the safest option would have been one of the kids. You don't have all the kids in fucking Oida Tai. Hey, you know, you know what those goth kids are like. They're going to be smoking in, under the bike shelters. Actually, I never got in the bike shelters because my school didn't have fucking bike shelters. If you brought, if you bought a bike, it's going to get wet. Right. You fucking privileged English people with your fucking bike shelters. Don't know hardship. Okay. Next match was the Wonder of Stardom Championship match with Tam Nakano, the champion, defeating the challenger Natsupoi with the Twilight Dream Suplex in 18 minutes and 50 seconds. Natsupoi coming out with Kairi Sane's gifted attire, Chris. Yes. Um, I have one note about this match. So, like, and part of this match, they were going a bit more dramatic because we have like we have history in Outrise Girls, don't we? Mm-hmm. Um, so they were going a bit more dramatic. That makes sense. But um, you know how we did the spot where we were pouring water on each other, and it's meant to be like a humiliation thing, which they did well. Okay, two things. Um, one, Natsu probably took it better because she's so small it came off her like a fucking waterfall. It really did. It really. Tam's got too much hair. It just absorbed <laughs> it. <laughs> but also, um, getting water pawn on you in the middle of a heated championship match. Yeah. Under very hot lights. It's a uh, blessing more than an embarrassment, no, isn't it? Not, like, you'd be a bit embarrassed, but also it'd be so refreshing. <laughs> I do agree, to be fair. I do agree. Um, like, if you wanted the fuel humiliation, we should have just got a beer from the bar. One thing I will say about this match, Chris, I'll throw to you in a moment, because um, I know we both really, really, really enjoyed this match, but the one thing that I really did enjoy, and it was a subtle point, not so subtle in the fact that Nats Point came out in Kyrie's gear, but it was something that was pointed out to me on our Discord, and this is why our Discord is fantastic. Yes, I am going to keep plugging it, um, because when you haven't been watching Stardom as, as you know, as long as people have been watching it since 2012 and whatever. I haven't. I've only been watching it since um, 2019 or the very, very tail end of 2019. You don't know the stories from earlier on. And the story of Natsupoi, you know, the first time she was in stardom, Kyrie was the Y belt champion. She was gifted this gear. Um, and to be able to be told this story, and, and it added an extra layer to this match because Natsupoi... It's very similar in my mind, not not to the same extent, but you know when Kotrobushi wanted the IC title because his heroes had held it? Mm-hmm. That was what this reminded me of. That That's why he wanted this Y belt because... Sorry, I know. She wanted this 
felt because Kyrie had had it. Kyrie, her hero, her mentor, or whatever you want to call her, had held this belt, therefore she wants it. This is the pinnacle for her. And that little, subtle storyline beat instantly makes me want to see her have the white belt. And for something that was ultimately, let's face it, going into this, is a filler defence. No offence to Natsupoi whatsoever, but no person in the world thought that Natsupoi was taking the belt off Tam here. It was a filler defence. Adding this storyline wrinkle, which is what I fucking love about wrestling, adding this storyline wrinkle, her coming out in Kyrie's gear, it made this match so much more immersive for me. And I was invested in everything Natsupoi did from there. Natsupoi, by the way, who I think sometimes is buried a little bit because of where she is in regard to Donna Del Mondo. She's in there with four very, very big personalities and very, very good wrestlers. I think she sometimes gets forgotten, which is completely unfair because she is a tremendous wrestler. And I think when she's given the chance and given the time, like here, for example, they put on a beautifully executed match, Chris. Um, Yeah, I liked that it was hot from the start. Like, having a sort of... I can't explain it as anything other than a fish out of water segment where we were just sort of flopping around and avoiding moves. I quite mm. enjoy that. And then like two minutes in, we got a German suplex on the outside. Because of course we do. Of Fuck course we fucking do. Jesus Christ. The noise it made was unreal. Uh, <laughs> and then it just kind of never stopped from there. And it was fun um, with the exception, like for was a bit, I just got hung up on um, wouldn't that be refreshing? Like I didn't think about literally anything else for that. <laughs> Match that kind of that that's on me there, but yeah, it was a good for the defense. I was still never in any doubt that um Tori was going to win. There was a point where um Tori just kept slapping Tam. Tam, you mean Natsupoi? Yeah, sorry, I don't know why I said Tora. Uh, <laughs> where Natsupoi just continues to slap Tam. And have you ever se- have you ever seen Pokemon the first movie? Fucking hell! Didn't that come out in like two thousand? Um, I'm pretty sure it was nineteen ninety nine. I own it on Blu-ray. Um, of course you fucking do. I think I saw it at the cinema. <laughs> You're that old. See the okay. one with Mewtwo? Uh, yeah. Yes, I saw it at the cinema for my ninth birthday. Your ninth birthday? Wow. Um, so, but you know, a bit of a film where like Pikachu's just slapping itself. Chris, I've seen it once, okay? Like, let's just get that out of the way. I've seen it once, and it was, what, 21 years ago. Okay. Do you have any vague notions of Pikachu slapping himself? I've seen the gif. Okay, that's all you had to say. Um, but that's basically what the, the lead up to the, the closing sequence of this match was. <laughs> was just that? Because that's what it felt like. It was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the closing sequence was surprisingly like heated. Um, fast pace, every move connected, connected well. Tom had to resort to the Twilight Dream and not just the Tiger Suplex. Good shit. Um, yeah, it was good. I don't think looking at just looking at what people have given out in cage match, um, and like knowing what you gave it, I don't think I like it quite as much as other people. Like uh, while I I can get behind it being overly dramatic, that's you can go a tiny bit far. I think we went a tad far. Like I don't think we both needed a water bottle spot. Just little things like that. It kind yeah. of dragged on. It kind of dragged on the pacing a bit for me. Um, but other than that, it was good because when it comes to overly dramatic, like I don't like it in especially NXT is especially bad for this, where the wrestlers are just having a conversation during the match. 
And it's like, that's not meant to, that's not the point. That's not, that's, you've been talking for weeks. Stop talking. This thousand for me, it was just, yeah. It, it was good. I really liked it. It was, it's a good start to Tam's reign. It's about as good as I expected it to be. Hmm. Four stars. I liked, I liked the fact that they mixed both styles. When you have the high speed champion in a match in Natsupo, you you think, oh, well, we is it going to be an extended high speed match? And it wasn't. You had those elements, especially that opening exchange, which was fantastic. But they then mix that really, really well with brawling, the actual chain wrestling, and those high impact moves. You know, the Tiger Suplex where um, Tam is too tired to actually do the bridge. Um, you've got the emotion in Natsupoy bursting into tears and the exhaustion when she hits a move and Tam kicks out. She doesn't have anything left. Those strikes in the lead-up to the fantastic closing sequence, the German suplex on the mat on the outside, which we spoke about, it had a little mix of everything, which I really, really, really enjoyed. I'm not going to lie and say the drama was a little bit nixed for me when I, you know, you know Natsupoy isn't winning this. But I think they did a tremendous job of building the emotional reaction and Natsupoy sitting, literally bursting into tears. It really was well done. And the fact that basically, you know, they showed each other respect in the post-match and Natsupoy said that she will come for that belt one day. I can see this being a big storyline later on, you know, a lot later on, but later on. It would be amazing if she keeps going for that Y belt. She keeps going for it. She keeps failing. And then eventually on a huge show, she ev- they built it up that well, that that culmination, that moment where she finally gets that Y belt. And imagine if it's like presented by Kyrie Hojo. How good would that be? It's presented to her. Finally, she's got it. it. They have the potential to do something really, really, really good here. Um, ultimately... A really, really, really good match. I think I gave it four and a quarter. Um, It did what it needed to do. And it was, again, another... It's another sort of notch on Tam's belt of fantastic matches she's been having. Because for me, Tam's been wrestler of the year in stardom this year. Um, Yeah, she's definitely in the mix. I prefer Julia just based on both promos. That's not wrestler. <laughs> I, know, I know, but like it's it's all part of the same. It's all yeah. part of the package. Um, I think I think if we're gonna do, I think Julia and Tam are one A and one B. Momo's up there. Momo's like in the sort of easy position where she hasn't been given loads, but what she has been given has been great. Yeah. Um, Shiri's also there. There, like Tammy is. If Tammy's kind of there, she hasn't had a miss. Mm. Um, and especially uh, Budokan, she basically stole the show. Okay. And of course, we can't forget about Lady C. We can't, that's true. She's had a constant two and a half stars, and I think we need to <laughs> reward consistency. Consistency. Um, I do just want to, something I've just gone back in my notes, something I did just want to quickly point out about the stars of either time match. Um, Koking and Death was given the new name Fukikan Death, which is Mopey Death, um, which is apparently um, setting up another Stars vs. Soida Tai match at Tokyo Dream Cinderella, which is the 29th of May at Ota City Gymnasium, where if Stars win, 
Death gets her old name back. So the highest of high stakes, Chris. You know what? The first Stardom show I ever watched um, had the main event of Oedetai versus um, Queen Quest. Was this a mask uh, versus dance match? It was, because I remember sending that to you and Gary. I do. I remember you sending and it to I me. I think that put you off Stardom for a few months. <laughs> it did. It delayed my, uh, it delayed my, uh, my joy of Stardom. Um, I was just like, oh, is this the kind of stakes I'm going to expect in Stardom? I love this place. Right. Semi-main then. World... Actually. It's incredible that it took me this long to get into the EBT. Main event. Second, sorry. Semi-main event. Uh, World of Stardom title match. Utami Aishita defeats B Priestley. 20 minutes and 53 seconds with the BT bomb. Um, Chris, opinion on this match? This is... See, I was low-key hyped for this because I remember their match back in 2019 being very good. Mm-hmm. This is much better than that. Um, you can sort of tell the direction this match was going to go when B attempted a German, and then Utami kind of just kicked her off, and she just went headfirst onto the concrete. Like, and then they just kind of tried to murder each other from there. It's very simple, but it's the kind of shit I can get behind. Mm-hmm. Like, this sort of somewhat contained um, level of just just kind of fucked. And I can't explain my enjoyment, because my enjoyment is basically if they dropped each other on their head, and I really liked it. But that's was my whole enjoyment of this match. Hmm. Um, there were moments of this match, because like, I don't think anyone want, wanted B to win. I think we all want Utami to get that, um, get that good main event run before she loses the spell. Yeah. Um, so when B hit that Queen's Landing, my fucking heart was in my mouth. That kick out was Where so only beautifully just, executed. She only just got out. It was like fucking Jay Wright at uh, um, New Beginning in Sephora. Yeah, against Kenny Omega fucking levels. Great shit. Beautiful. Uh, absolutely, and then absolutely beautiful. Utami's hitting like air raid sirens on the apron. And oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my god the kind oh, of V your but, poor neck this is my kind of brutality and they arguably had a better match than B's husband did over in New Japan um, just great stuff again it's so bad when a match is just sort of cool throughout because I, mm. it's just me naming things that happened and going that was cool I really liked it like structurally there's nothing to say here like, um, in terms of a meta-narrative of stardom, there's nothing to say here. In ter- like, this isn't like a transcendent performance where every time you'll watch it, you'll find something new. This was just a really fun, brutal tag um, title match. Mm-hmm. And but quite frankly, that's more than I expected it to be. So I'm really impressed. This is definitely a match of a show for me. 100% agree with you. 100%. I loved this match. Um, when when Momo came out as guest commentator, I feared the worst um, because I thought, oh, shit, B's going to win the title and Momo's going to challenge. That's not what I wanted. That's not what I wanted. And then, like you, when that Queen's Landing hit, it was it's up there as one of the best close calls I've ever seen in wrestling. It was literally nanoseconds. And the entire Discord erupted. Like, how the fuck has that happened? It was unreal. Um, In terms of the match itself, 
It was just bombs being thrown. It was being dropped on their head. Hard strikes. It's the best B singles match I've ever seen. I think she really... She threw everything into this match. And the reason becomes apparent at the end. But both women looked fantastic. And it's another really, really, really good match in Utami's reign. And hopefully, this will now... You know, Utami will be allowed to headline one of these arena shows. Because... Her matches have been bangers, all of them. You know, Momo, Micah, B. They've all been fantastic. You know, Sayakamatani, which was just, it blew everyone away with how fucking good it was. I think she deserves now to headline the Ota City Gym, which I can't see her not doing. But again, I'm sure we'll we find that. out soon. We said that. Budokan. We did, we did say that, and we did say that for this show as well. Um, overall, I thought this match was brilliant. It didn't go too long. Um, you had the close kick out. You had just cons. Utami fighting from underneath was brilliant. Just it, it just worked. It clicked. These two had tremendous chemistry, and then of course, um, we had two. BT bombs, the second of which, the final of which, Jesus Christ, absolutely brutal. Basically dropping B on her neck, right? Get up from that. Um, she did though, um, and surprising everyone, she um, B turned face, said that uh, Utami is more than a, yeah. She said she's more than a young girl now. She is really strong called Momo Watanabe into the ring, said that she is not, uh, she does not suck, she's her best friend, um, and then announced that it was her last match in stardom and was leaving Japan. Um, Momo at this point is in bits, um, and yeah, it, it's assumed that she's going to be returning to the UK. It's a really, really fitting send-off, B, which I'm really happy about. Someone on the Discord did say maybe this explains why this didn't main event because they didn't want this to be the last thing on the show. And I sort of get that. You don't want, you know, a sort of a leaving as the last thing on a show. But what are your opinions on B leaving? Um, what's next for B? I've heard everything from AEW to NXT UK. Um, it's looking like she will return to the UK as opposed to going to America. Um, Bowling JD on Twitter panicked the shit out of me because I thought <laughs> I misread his tweet and thought he said he she'd sign for NXT UK. Um, but it's just it's rumors basically. Um, I don't want her to sign with NXT UK because that's where. Unless you are one of the chosen ones, you you've got nothing there at all. I mean, it's guaranteed money, I suppose. Have you seen we've basically just like I I don't watch it weekly. The only thing I've seen two things from NXT UK all year, and that's Walter versus Akid because I'm not missing a Walter title match. I don't nope. care what brand is on, mm-hmm. uh, and um, Mako Satamora versus Kaylee Ray because I was curious. And like by the looks of things, we've not really used Mako since that match. Well, they just they just signed Bobby Tyler. She's just um, she's um, just Bobby debuted. Tyler, Millie McKenzie, Millie um, McKenzie, of course, yeah. 
I'm going to swamp with someone else. Isle of Dawn's about, um, I've seen clips of Isle of Dawn doing weird um, witch shit. Right, so, so she's fully leaning into that then. Yeah, no, and like she's <clears> turning <throat> up like, with her mind or something. <laughs> I just, so, I don't want her to get lost in the shovel. I mean, naturally, what I mean, you would I'm assume gonna, is... I would you, argue no matter where she goes, she's going to be lost in the shuffle. Like, if she goes, because if she does go to AEW, she's going to be on that dark evaluation or whatever. No. They they were high on B, and I feel like there was a title, there was a title program coming before the pandemic. I think she's not going to go to America. This To me, it's sort of hinged on what would happen with Osprey. Osprey then beat, spoilers, beat Ibushi to win the title. So he's quite obviously staying in Japan. He's the top guy in New Japan at the moment. So he isn't going anywhere. The difficulty is it's going to be extremely difficult to get from Japan to America in these sorts of circumstances. Apparently a lot more difficult than getting from England to Japan. So... I don't know. New Japan managed to get literally everyone over all the fucking time. Like, we must have, like, the, um, what's, like, what's the, like, the, like, why have I forgotten all the words in the world? Uh, Like, the, um, import, not import, um, immigration office. They must have someone's nudes in that office, and that's why, (laughs) like, Gail must have, like, the import office, the head of, um, immigration nudes, and that's why fucking Kenta and... Um, Osprey and Jay White can all just come over willy-nilly. Kenta, yeah. No, I get that. Everyone. Everyone. (laughs) Juice. But to be fair, Juice probably... I I imagine Juice just has his ways. Like, he seems like someone who'd have connections with drug lords. Does he, though? He probably just sneaks in and Matt Finley gets in and out and all. (laughs) Moving back to the match... What would you give this match? Um, four and a quarter. Very good. I I flirted with giving it four and a half, but Ben that would put it in. I think of all the matches are given four and a half this year, I and mean, there's been like something special in them, like something like overtly special, like Draper versus Gresham, where it has the best ending I've fucking seen in ages, or like Ueno versus Okada, where that was just pure, um, pure ambition throughout that whole match. So it's not quite bad because I put it like on the precipice of my top 10 matches of the year, which this isn't. It's just a very strong, very solid match. It's top three stardom match of the year for me. I don't think what my top three would be. So Julia, Kid, mm-hmm. Mayu, Ish- um, Ishiko. Yeah. And then number three would either be the Budokan show. The entire Budokan show. Not the Budokan show, the Budokan defense for Utami. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anything else has reached that far on that. Do we count just including seedling um, stardom wrestlers? Because in that case, I'd include the seedling tag that Momo and Ida had. No, I think Julie versus Tom was better than that. Do you? I, yes. I, I don't. I think that, I, but I think that's more of a pacing thing and the fact that I was expecting basically the five-star match. I th- I love that match. I thought that match was fantastic. Um, just the right amount of drama. Um, I think at the moment this is, yeah, top three. I think if I'm looking at it, Julia Kidd, Mayu Yoshiko, 
this, Julia Tam, and then Utami and Saikamatani. I mean, aside from Julia Kidd, which is probably my match of the year, the rest are interchangeable. I think we're forgetting about Lady C versus Goka and Death. Okay, and with that, we're going to move on to the main event, which, um, yeah, it was interesting placement. Uh, Julia and Suri taking the Goddess of Stardom tag team titles from Donna Del Mondo members Himika and Micah with a buzzsaw kick in 28 minutes and 57 seconds. Um, Chris? I think, I think calling this interesting placement would give it give the placement some form of merit which it doesn't have. It just doesn't. <laughs> also, yeah, I didn't like this. I didn't like, like, it's, there's good moments. There was a Northern Lights bomb, which is like, holy good. shit. Um, holy shit. I'm a fan of a Northern Lights bomb, but otherwise, yes, it, felt still, it kind of felt stilted. Himiko and Mike still haven't quite gelled as a tag team for me. The pacing was weird. It was way too long. Way too fucking long. Did it really need to be 29 minutes? Tw- 29 minute i do you know i can do so much in 29 minutes rob it's insane how much i can get done in 29 minutes make myself a coffee watch like it's, with entrances this is shorter than this is probably with entrances and post post match promo it's probably shorter than an episode of ring of honor sorry I it watched... takes you 29 minutes to make a cup of coffee well i, I stall i put on some music i enjoy life rob, it's an event not... yeah it's it's like, because quite frankly, afterwards I'm going to be shaking from caffeine so hard, but I'm not going to be able to get anything done. So I save the moments before the anxiety attack. Um, but 29 minutes was way too long for this. I think we can both agree on that. Like, I can of the starter matches that go about that long. I can't think of many that are as good as the ones that go between 15 and 20. Mm-hmm. Like the one that maybe. I would justify is the draw between Shiri and Julia. That was very good. It was Past very that. good. But when Julia and Tam went 28 minutes last year, it fell flat. It's just, it's not a length that seems to suit Saddam's style. And like, I, I, I took, if I didn't take notes, I wouldn't remember anything from this match. Like with the exception of the ending, which was kind of cool. I wouldn't remember anything. You, I've seen people mention the wrong results, and I think that's people making the mistake of giving a fuck about these tag bounds. Because, again, Stardom don't care, and they've got a belt on their big star, which is why she was in the main event here. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just enough. It was fine. It, it, it was... It would be inoffensive if it was shorter, but because it's shorter, it's a bit offensive to me. I didn't enjoy myself, and I didn't care, because in terms of the peak of the show, we had literally just had it. It's a classic... um, It's the classic WrestleMania thing, where they put on the wrong match in the wrong place. Because, again, we mentioned this at Budokan. The reason the white belt was up there is because, in terms of, like, storyline investment, nothing was going to top that. There was no storyline investment here. It was like this weirdly contrivedly booked DDT, um, DDM Civil War, which is now played out. Everyone's all fine with each other, and everyone's going to move on with their life. This match will get to the end of the year, and we'll f- have forgotten this match will have happened. Um, my 
personal notes, this is a really, really, really good 20-minute match. The issue that I feel like they've tried to do is because they don't just want Julia, Julia and Suri steamrolling Himika and Micah, they've tried to do that thing that they do in the G1 where they try to push it to the time limit to illustrate that these two teams are very strong and very similar, which I appreciate. 29 minutes is too long. Especially okay, but- after what we've just seen, which I completely agree with you, the Utami and B match with with the after the after post match that was the pinnacle of this show the women in the tag match then especially for the first 5 10 minutes were battling with a crowd that didn't really give a shit at this point and the match started really, really slowly. By the end, it had built to a really good crescendo. We'd got great near falls. We got that Northern Lights one, which was fucking great. We'd got unbelievable shit off the top rope between Julia and Micah, I believe, just literally launching themselves across the ring. It just felt a little bit disjointed. It went far too long. And it was in the wrong place. It just, meant there's it. no way this should have main evented. You've mentioned that um, they're trying to make sure that D- like no one in DDM looks weak coming out of this, but like that's ignoring the fact that Julia's basically feuded with all of DDM at this point. Like she had a f- summer feud with Himika, where they've already traded wins. Um, she's already beaten Micah and Shiri. Like has, has there she was Micah. When, didn't she? Be, no, no, Shiri beat Micah in the. Cin, in, no, also in the Cinderella. Ah, right, okay. DDM's already off. DDM is already all faced. The only person who hasn't really faced other members of DDM is Natsupoy, and she's been doing other shit. So, like, everyone already looks fairly equal. You're, you're fine. You don't need. You like. You didn't need to skirt that time limit. And like, I don't have a problem with long matches on principle. In fact, if you look at my top 25 matches of last year, everything I gave, I'm pretty sure everything I gave five, star, five stars went over half. No, apart from May versus Town. Um, Iroha. Everything else went over half an hour. So like, I don't have a problem, don't have a problem with length on principle. I just want you to justify your length, which this didn't, this didn't go far enough to justify why it should go so long. No, agreed. Agreed. I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you. Like I said, this was a fantastic 20-minute match. If they built it quicker... And again, these women were told the time limit. That's that's not on them. It's, no, but it's a Stalin thing. And yeah. it's, it's, it also seems to be a bushy work, because that's one of the things that I loved when I got into stardom, was we were in a wrestling culture that favours long, drawn-out epics. And then you have this going 28 minutes when it didn't need to. And it's like, that's just in ca- complete contrast to why I cared about that. And they're not making an overly massive habit of it. Like, I think the last time a match went remotely this long was that Tam versus Julia match. But we've experimented with it a few times. It's never worked. It can, we, like, if you're going to go that long, you need, you need a different way to justify the length, which, again, this didn't. DDM felt more united coming out of it, I guess, because they had the roll call. Um, so going forward, that could mean something. I'm looking forward to show you versus Tammy. That should be good. 
I was, I was uh, just going to say, Utami came out, Suri called Utami out and appears to be the next you know challenger for the red belt. That felt extremely forced. You know what would have made that not feel forced? If a fucking world title match was the main event. And Suri had come out. Yeah, no, I I agree with you, Chris. I've, I've spoken to you about this. Champions should not be coming out to challenge people unless it's like when Okada challenged Tanahashi for this, because he's had a bonus for nice storytelling or something. Like that makes sense when like at the tail end of a card of drain when he had already beaten everyone. This didn't make sense here. Like ah just I've just won the tag belts, but I won the red belt as well. Yeah, that would have been a better story than Utami coming out going a fight one of you. I'll fucking do you. I'm sure no, I'm sure Suri called out Utami. Utami didn't just come out. But when Utami came out, it felt so awkward. Cause it crowd... did, but Shuri definitely called Utami out. Definitely. Okay. But uh, I don't know. I just think it would have been a more natural thing if it was like literally the 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 main flaw with this, like in terms of like um, event pacing, I'd say this was better. Like Budokan's highs were higher, but this is more consistent because it didn't have a dog shit battle royal in the middle. Mm. So like, and literally this. Show might be ahead of Budokan if they'd have fucking swapped the, these two matches around. And I un- understand that doesn't take away from either match, but from like, in terms of watching a whole event, is again, imagine imagine if any of the events of Pulp Fiction were taken and put into a different place. Mm. When you're constructing a card, you need to be very meticulous of where you put things. We talked about this with Jungle vs. Mayu last year, how having a half an hour mat draw going into this Hurt jungle versus me. Yeah, the same here. You have one of one of the emotion like for a lot of people, one of the like easily top five starter matches of the year going into this that was never going to follow, especially after the promo of a stardom store work leaving. Hmm. Well, I'll say so, like someone who's like been in the main event scene for what three years now, twenty nineteen, three years. It was never going to... I don't understand. And I remember you said there must be something more going on. And I was trying not to be pessimistic because I fucking knew there was not going to be more going on. It's because they want to put Julia in the main event because she's their draw. Which I get, but if you want that, put the fucking belt on her. Don't put the belt on someone you're not going to put in the main event. We'll see she headlines um, the 29th. I think the 29th of May. I think she will, but we'll wait and see. Okay, <laughs> What are you giving this match? I didn't like it. I understand it has obvious merits, but I didn't like it. I went back and rewatched it just to make sure that um, it wasn't just me being burned out from two great matches before that. I just don't like it. It The pacing is fucking awful. I gave it three. Um, it's, It's nowhere near a match of the year contender, which is a shame because DDM are usually one of the factions that you can depend on to put on fantastic matches with each other. But I think they were hamstrung by several things. I think DDM work together um, better against each other in singles matches than doing tag matches. Hmm. But Northern Lights Bar. So, you know, that's... That's why why it's not two and a half. That's why I'm not completely um, (laughs) neutral on this match. Just a couple of things then coming out of this then, Chris. Um, The attendances. So the announced attendance for this show was 1,029 people. And yeah, there's but... a really interesting argument 
on our Discord about the arena shows, excluding All-Star Cinderella. So, basically, the argument is, on one side, that these shows have been flat at a 1,000. So are they growing? So you look at the arena shows that they've run. Um, Yokohama Dream, which was 1,007 people. Um, it was unannounced, the Sendai Cinderella attendance, but it's roughly believed to be under 1,000. Um, Osaka Dream Cinderella 2020 was 1,027. And then Yokohama Dream Cinderella in spring, which me personally, I think is a weaker card. I know that's a bone of contention with some people, but I think this was a far weaker card than Osaka Dream. Um, and Sendai Cinderella and Yokohama Dream as well. Um, this drew 1,029. So my question to you, Chris, is... Is the attendance growing? Is it flat? What are we What are we expecting? Because from other... Looking at the Yokohama Budokan, Noah drew 1,400. We're looking at between 1,400 and 1,500. Noah and New Japan have drawn at this venue. What what are your thoughts in regard to this? There are still tickets on there were still tickets on sale for Yokohama Dream Cinderella. Nothing was sold out. I think what didn't help was they ran it directly against Sakura Genesis, which is like a twenty minute train ride away. Well and... at the time of Osprey and Ibushi, Utami and B was the exact same time. Mm-hmm. So, like, you could, it's not one of those ones where, it's not like on January 4th where you can go to both the TJPW January 4th show and then go to the Tokyo Dome. Hmm. Like, that's, but people had to make a choice. And at the end of the day, New Japan's still the biggest company and it's one of their biggest shows of the year. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think that at all helped. In terms of growth, the fact that it did better than New Japan at the Budokan and roughly, I think it was roughly the same as Noah. I don't think I'm gonna have Noah released attendance for their Budokan show. The one with Go, yeah, four well, thousand, four thousand or something. I meant so Go and slight- Muto. Ah, yeah, so slightly below. No, like none of these were bad attendance. I don't, in terms of it being flat, kind of. But like, I think of a lot of these shows that are aiming for like typical Corican numbers, which they're hitting. Mm. So. In terms of it being flat, I don't know. I haven't sat down and did the maths. Um, I don't think it's growing. I don't think... Like, I'm sceptical of it being a 1,000, to be honest. You saw that fucking crap. We we all said it was under a 1,000. All it's of definitely us. definitely under a 1,000. Like, don't Japanese wrestling companies tend to smudge the numbers a little bit? <laughs> Isn't that like a running joke? Well, no, no more than WWE. I think WWE are the king of doing that. Oh, yeah. But, like, also, WWE don't actually care. But that's the thing, like, but a lot of Japanese wrestling companies do the same fucking shit. It's just there's this weird mysticism around them that seems to save them from being criticized for. You spoke briefly about stardom's growth. This was something that was brought to our attention, either on Twitter or Discord, I can't remember, um, from Brandon Thurston at WrestleNomics. And basically, he's got a graph of the worldwide Google web search, the six-month rolling averages, and... The companies he's got on there are all Elite Wrestling, New Japan, Impact, Stardom, Ring of Honor, Dragon Gate, AAA, and CMLL. And Stardom is currently above, in these rolling averages, Ring of Honor, Dragon Gate, uh, CMLL, and AAA. So there is growth. I think 
can we officially say that Stardom is the number two promotion in Japan? Um, no, because I haven't done the, we haven't actually sat down the numbers. So I think us officially calling that is like Donald Trump calling an election. So I think we can officially no. <laughs> we can officially say that Stardom are better than you. No, um, I, I, we'd have to sit down and do the numbers in terms of like worldwide um, knowledge of like pure companies. Possibly, I'm pretty sure I've. I know I've seen that Dragon Gate's bigger in Japan than it is outside of Japan. Mm. But as a growing fan base, like it's between like second in terms of worldwide recognition. If I had to guess, not official, not at all researched, it would be either Stardom or Noah. It would between be between those two. Mm-hmm. And but in terms of who, so who's it beating? CMLL and AAA. But Lucha isn't massive outside of Mexico because it doesn't play to the sensibilities of like current wrestling fans. Ring of Honor and Dragon Gate. Ring of Honor, well, yeah. Dragon, Dragon Gate, yeah, that may be a big thing. In terms of Ring of Honor, no one fucking watches Ring You can tell no one watches Ring of Honor by the way people talk about Ring of Honor. Hmm. So, I think it'd be interesting to see if when Noah sat on that, because I think oh. Noah is a better comparison. Yeah, I think Noah is what... They're definitely not in terms of inside Japan. They're definitely not above Noah, and we can see that just from the Budokan. The Budokan attendance, attendance yeah. So, uh, but in terms of like worldwide, I've, I'm pretty sure a lot of their like business comes from like Stardom World Sales, especially now that they're not getting full attendances. So, who knows? I, I they de- they definitely be in top flight, which isn't a bad, which isn't like a bad position. So, like sometimes when you say top whatever and you don't name something number one, people seem to think. You're burying them, but no, like top five when your competition is Noah, Dragon Gate, and DDT. That's mm. perfectly grand. It's definitely the number one women's promotion. Oh, which like I don't, think, I don't think that was ever in question. So. No, absolutely not. Um, something came up on Twitter, and I just wanted to quickly get your thought on this. A list of stardom wrestlers who've had the best singles match of their career in the first three months of 2021. Oh. I have been. See- I did see someone post that. So, just quickly, first impression. Okay, yes or no? Ruaka. Um. Yeah. Mina Shirakawa. I haven't seen a TJP TJPW stuff inside them yet. Uh, Starlight Kid. Yeah. Micah. Um. Yeah, no. See, I think her Utami match was. I don't think that's her best thing. I'm pretty sure it was one of the fight. I think I prefer her Momo match over her. But again, I'm not math of an Uitami match, so. B Priestley. Um, yes. That Uitami match is probably her best match in Stardom. Yeah. Natsupoi. Natsupoi. Um, in Stardom, yeah. Yunagi? Um, it, again, in Stardom, she only turned up this year. So. <laughs> well, yeah, true, exactly. Um, Sayurida? Um, yeah, but not in Sardom. Her best match was in Sea <laughs> Sai Kamatani. Um, yeah, but to be yeah. fair, she was a rookie last year. Julia. Um, yeah. Yeah. But she and did this... have some bandits last year. It's not a case of growth more than she's just continuing her. Continuing the curve. Yeah. This one I think you'll disagree with. Tam Nakano. Oh, yeah. Have you even fucking watched that? What the fuck? No, it's obviously obviously not. Not at all. Not in any way. She hasn't even touched her heights of 2020 yet. I knew that would wind you up. 
No, and, and also, you have, you have, you have you seen the fucking Arisa match? Not even Arisa's best match because Arisa was fucking incredible. Fucking know your role, whoever the fuck tweeted that. Um, speaking of Arisa, um, someone put in our Discord, Sally put in our Discord, um, something that Will Ospreay had said. Um, and it was just part of an interview, and I thought it was quite interesting. So this is, this is what he said. Limitation-wise, there are a lot of things that I want to do to grow the United Empire. There are a lot of guys that I want to bring in. But there's another thing I want to do. When I moved to Japan, I formed a strong relationship with Stardom. I helped train one of their champions at the time, Arisa Hashiki. I'm a great friend of hers on the roster of girls. I want to form a Joshi division of the United Empire and shine a light on women's wrestling as well. Stardom has the greatest women wrestlers in the world and I want to do whatever I can to help them out. So what do you think about that? I don't think Will Ospreay is a good PR move. (laughs) 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 Like, I'm not as militantly... Like, you know that in terms of... (laughs) Admittedly, as a PR poster boy, yes, maybe not. I don't think, like, um... Like... (laughs) Just imagine, like, I understand he's a big name, but also he is baggage a good word to describe what Will Ospreay will bring? See, New Japan, in terms of like New Japan, like, they recently tried to rehire Marty. So, in terms of PR nightmares, Ospreay's not even in the top 10. So, that's, but like, the sound, that's like when the biggest controversy is they've had in the past year, in, in terms of non wrestling stuff, has kind of has been, um, they have someone on their roster who's associated with Will Ospreay. I don't think Will Ospreay direct involvement is the best PR move. In terms of getting eyes on the product, sure, maybe. I don't really... like. I'm watching Stardom, so I don't need to watch Will Ospreay like. So, I don't know. I, it, I mean, he's it, already he, he's like, already um, training partners with Momo and Yutami. Yeah. Oh, no. She, he's all, like, I'm not saying he's not involved, but like um, uh, United Empire stable would be direct on-screen involvement and also we shouldn't call it United Empire, we should call it Billow Edatai Bill oh, Edatai um, No, no, I got it <laughs> <laughs> The thing is with Billy and Bitch Cakes is just I don't <laughs> It just goes back to my first statement. I don't think it's a, like at the end of the day, it would be a PR move, and I don't think it's the strongest PR move you can make. Um, it, I, I think because you know what, you, you know what, the wrestlers in New Japan are like. They just say shit in interviews and hope it becomes true. Mm. I think that's what this is. I don't think we're gonna have direct Will Ospreay involvement. Um, I, I. Like like most things, it's a on paper it's a it's a neutral element. Mm. Like like I've said there, like in terms of if Sardom was looking at this on paper, on the good sides, um, it would bring in eyes because Will Ospreay is one of um the biggest wrestlers outside of WWE. On the bad sides, he comes with baggage. It's like one of the like from a business point of perspective, that's what you're looking at because we're talking ethics, Sardom and overly ethical. So I don't think we're going to care about the ethics of the situation. Uh, and New Japan have just pulled their biggest belt on him. So yeah, so it's like a, it's like how we started doing more with B when she started appearing on New Japan TV. It would 
it, it, it's not a good or bad business move. It sort of depends what we do with it. But in terms of what we do with it, it would just be another heel faction, wouldn't it? Hmm. Maybe if it was because there's only one Japanese worker in um, United Empire, isn't there? It's only it's only Oka. Oka, who, yeah. So. Maybe if it was like a stable of Gaijins, but I would kind of take away one of the appeals of what Oedotai had become. Mm. Which was basically where all the drunk Gaijins go. Um, so, I don't know. If it happened or not, it's a neutral element. I wouldn't do it, though. Fair enough. A um, couple of questions then, Chris, just to finish off our podcast. We'll get through these. Uh, quick fire. So at lone underscore saber, hello. Um, has asked, hello guys. I'm worried about you, Tommy's reign as champion. Since I've seen the segment with Suri, I don't honestly see how Suri can lose to anyone at the moment. What do you think about this spot? Will they push Suri so far above all the other competitors? I mean, may you beat her. Um, I think that just means they've built her very, very well, and it will be a big scalp when you Tommy does. I think it will be a fantastic match. I don't. I'm not overly concerned. I'd be overly concerned if it doesn't main event. Um, whatever show it's on, I assume it's going to be the Tokyo Dream Cinderella. Um, but I just think they've built Suri extremely well. I don't think she's buried anyone or anything like that, but I think they've just built her extremely well. I think Utami will beat Suri. Um, yeah, I'd, I'm not overly concerned, Chris. What about you? Um, No. no like... She's not un- like the closest to being unbeatable is that she went to a draw with Julia. But Julia is another unbeatable person. Mm-hmm. So who I'm pretty sure Tommy's beaten actually at some point. So maybe. maybe well, I yeah. The, no, did she beat her in the five star on the final day? No. Oh no, no, because they're in different blocks. I'm talking shit. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think there's much to worry about. That because like how many unstoppable people were thrown in front, uh, thrown in front of champions. That's just, just kind of why you build up unstoppable people. Exactly. And then, if she, and then if she if she does beat Utami, it would be a bit like. But like everyone thought that Momo was going to beat Utami. So like it's not the first time that's happened. No. And you know, hopefully that would actually get Utami's title reign back on track, because Shiri is probably the best belt person she's faced. Like you could argue Momo, but Momo is just well booked, well booked off for basically legacy. Because in terms of booking a on the lead up to that card, oh boy, was that not well booked. <laughs> so, yeah, I think she's just. I think what Julia, uh, what Utami's basically doing, she's going to run through DDM before she gets beaten by Julia, because she's already faced Micah. Um, she'll probably get Himika again, and then lose it to Julia. I think that's where we're going. We'll finish off then with a series of questions from at Telmo Arujo 3 on Twitter. So there's five questions here, Chris. Four questions, I apologize. Let's run through them one by one. Um, number one, did Stardom botch Julia's redemption storyline by making her win gold on the next big show after Budokan? It depends how seriously you took a claim. It was said once and then not mentioned again. Um, if that was just something that was the start what? of something, then why not? Where was that said again? Was it in a backstage comment or what? It was, was in it? a back. It was a backstage comment before she faced death at the first Road to Yokohama Dream, which was the seventh of March. Oh, in that case, if it's before a fucking match, you can just tell her, "No, that's not the story we're running. Don't say that." So at that point, it's either they had a t- they had a story and we dropped it, or they need to have more oversight of their stories. 
basically. <laughs> it's only been mentioned once. If it was mentioned more than that, um, I think it might have been mentioned in an article as well, but potentially that might have been Julia going rogue or just saying something to validate her match with Go King Death opening the card or something like that, oh. which is what I think Niagara Driver said as well. So, so to TLDR it, um, if there was a storyline, it's been botched, and if there wasn't a storyline, they should have made that clearer. Uh, number two, what's your opinion on B's sudden departure and what kind of legacy do you think she leaves? Do you think she's the best guy in Stardom's history? I think we've answered the first part of that. Um, I mean, she she leaves a very good legacy. She was a Red Belt champion. She's a goddess of Stardom, two-time and goddess of Stardom Tag League champion. I, she's de- certainly champion. leaving a, des- a divisive... Even before the um, stuff about Pollyanna came out, she was still a divisive figure in stardom. Like we, we've had plenty of debate about the merits of being our Discord, and I don't think we'll get that's ever going to stop. Do you think she's the best Gaijin in stardom's history? Gaijin, sorry, Gaijin, Gaijin. Since I started watching, possibly, but also I started watching like after, like tone, like it completely in terms of success, possibly. Apart from like Tony Storm and like she's not the first guy to hold the world belt. I'm gonna have to go back and look. And while well, I've been watching certainly. But like in terms of like Gaijin being pushed, there's basically been only Jamie Hater who like is too young to have reached her potential yet. Mm-hmm. So maybe Tony Storm, but I've heard her reign wasn't great. Maybe Viper, but we never really fully ran with her. I from what I've seen. Um in terms of like pure talent people like a Diana Perazzo or a Tessa Blanchard might be over her but in, talent doesn't always matter if you don't showcase that talent properly which I'm not I don't know anything about their runs so they might have but might have not um, in terms of like the legacy she's leaving at this stage possibly in terms of like a pure talent now I think it, i I agree. In terms of championships gained and in terms of exposure, yes. Um, I'm sure there have been better guys and workers than B, but they haven't had the same exposure that B has or had. Um, it depends what you're looking at. If you're looking at championships, then yes, she is. Um, but in terms of in-ring work, potentially not. But again, we haven't Certainly since I've been watching, um, we haven't had the exposure of others. We've had Session Moth for a few matches. We've had Jamie Hayter before she then couldn't come back. Um, Layla Hirsch. You know, if you look at this crop, Zoe Lucas, um, Zoe Sky, you look at those people and you think B is above them. But in terms of ever, I, I haven't been watching Stardom long enough to categorically say yes or no, I'm afraid. She's certainly up there, I think, is uh, is what I'm trying to say. Last two questions. Was the stipulation really needed for the Stars vs. Oida tie match? Gokin leaving is not really a game changer, so why do it at all? Oh, because it looks better to have something like that on a poster than it doesn't. 100%. Plus, you don't want to give Mayu nothing to do. Yeah, but the thing is, if he didn't want to give Mayu nothing to do, they could have just actually restarted the Cosmic Angels feud, which didn't finish, because now Cosmic Angels are in a weird thing with Queen's Quest. Kind of, but not really. It's weird. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, it's because it looks better to have that than it doesn't. 
and they probably wanted to change up death because the, stuff, the joke's getting a bit old. I mean, he needs to add a new wrinkle to it or something. I think that's basically it. Yeah. Um, and finally, question four. Do the outcomes of today change your predictions to the Cinderella tournament? Um, as of yet, there hasn't been a bracket announced for Cinderella. Um, so whether we see one before the show on the 10th, I don't know. In terms of my prediction, I think I predicted a Zoomy, didn't I? Um, yeah. uh, there's been a lot of discourse around Twitter and Discord to say that that main event of the Yokohama Cinderella show pretty much sets up one of Himika or Micah to win the Cinderella. I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, I think with Suri going for Utami's red belt, you could argue that this tournament again is set up for a white belt challenge, especially as there isn't a white belt challenge on the table for Tam at the moment. Um, but again, you know, there's no stipulation involved in the Cinderella win that you've got to be the next challenger. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, I... It definitely changes mine, though, because mine was Shiri. So it's definitely... well, yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. It definitely changes yours. I, I'm not sure about well, mine. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Himika and then that's the last obstacle um, faced before Tam, um, before Julia faces Itami for the red belt. Because so do you think that do you think Himika goes for the red belt then if she wins? Yeah, and then that's and then that would be the um, Utami's last defense because they very clearly want Julia to hold that fucking belt, just not with a really short hair. No, they wanted it to at least have like a quiff. <laughs> like they wanted to look like Matt Smith's doctor before uh, putting the belt on. Yeah, yeah, like they very clearly want Julia to be their top star. Like that's been clear since last year. Oh and yeah, one hundred percent. More transparent after just putting her in the main event for no fucking reason, no fucking reason. So, well, I know the reason. But I don't. I I don't accept. I don't pray to your god. Um. Yeah, basically, I I basically change it to Himika now. Yeah, that's basically what's changed for me. Like, but again, this is going to completely change when we see the brackets. Right, let's stop it there. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really, really do appreciate it. Hopefully you've enjoyed the review. If you have, please go subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review and a comment. It really does help the exposure of the podcast. You can check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk. All our archived episodes are there, as well as all of our match ratings. Um, you can find the Stardomcast on Twitter at, at the Stardomcast. You can talk to me on Twitter at, at Real Rob Goodwin. Chris, where can they find you? At uh, Chrysalis Puro. And until next time, guys, we'll talk to you guys again soon. <laughs> <laughs>